You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. What's the point of all this? The point is simply this. The motivation, the insight, the perspective. Why Paul the Apostle in Acts 20 can stand before mighty men, him a prisoner, and say, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I might finish my course and complete the work he's given me to do. Not all of us are called to live exactly like Paul. Traveling around, living in tents, preaching to congregations of Christians across our region. But you are called to the eternal mindset that he lived by. As Pastor Danny points out in today's message, Paul held his own life in low regard. His dreams, aspirations, and personal needs or desires, all of these took second place to his mission to spread the good news of Jesus to the world around him. His mind was not on the here and now, but on eternity with Christ. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Revelation chapter 21 as he begins his message, Maintaining an Eternal Perspective. Revelation chapter 21. We are past what's called the great tribulation in our study. We are past what is the thousand year millennial reign of Christ. And now uh, John sees something and it's really good news. Really, really good news. And before I read the passage, something the Lord gave me the last time I taught through this particular passage I sat down and I thought about it, and here's what I wrote. I added a couple of lines yesterday in finalizing this particular study. It goes like this. A new day is dawning for those in the Lamb's book of life, a forever world where there is no longer death, mourning, crying, or pain. There are no accidents, ambulances, firemen, doctors, hospitals, assisted living facilities, undertakers, funerals, funeral homes, or cemeteries. There are no retarded, crippled, maimed, blind, or bruised. No bug spray, antiseptics, antibiotics, aspirin, Excedrin, Advil, Motrin, Visine, sunscreen, band-aids, bandages, or blood. There are no cavities, root canals, Braces, dentures, dentists, or Novocaine shots. There are no counselors, psychologists, therapists, or mental institutions. There are no police, FBI, CIA, DEA, DIA, ATF. No Office of Homeland Security. 
No secret service agency. There are no terrorists, bombs, bullets, or war. No political parties or elections. No human trafficking, pornography, prostitution, strip clubs, drug addicts, alcoholics, or homeless shelters. There's no cursing, swearing, or obscene language. There are no misunderstandings, ill feelings, fights, divorces, lawyers, or courts. No pollution, rust, decay, moths, or mosquitoes. There's no fear, doubt, worry, or perplexity. No hurricanes, no tornadoes, tsunamis, or floods. No cold or heat. No aging. Hallelujah. No diets, facelifts, fat, skinny, or ugly. No struggles. No temptation, sin, devil, or demons. No sadness, depression, doubts, disappointments, or bad days. And they lived happily ever after. Revelation 21. John says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any sea. Pause for you salty dogs. It doesn't say there's no water. In Ezekiel 47, during the thousand-year reign of Christ, from the throne in that coming day, there will flow water from the throne down south into what's now the Dead Sea. Why is it, why is it the Dead Sea? Because there's nothing living in it. But during the thousand-year reign of Christ, it will happen that the Dead Sea will come alive, and there will be fish in abundance And it says that they'll be like the fish of the great sea. That is the Mediterranean. That is salt water. That is, listen to me, hogfish. (laughs) Grouper. Scallops. Etc. Etc. No more sea doesn't mean no more water. That's going to be life like never before. Verse 2, and I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. This is a love story. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. Imagine that. They'll be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And you got to love verse 4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death. Mourning. Crying. Or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. And then he said, write this down. For these words are trustworthy and true. And John did. And I'm thankful. We have the record. When we were in Montana in August, had to drive by where we were staying from downtown Whitefish, a road, and there was a sign. It said Beaver Lake. We didn't have a lot of downtime there, but I asked one of the locals, hey, 
You ever been to Beaver Lake? Nope. Ask another local. You ever been to Beaver Lake? Nope. Nobody ever been to Beaver Lake. I thought, we got to go to Beaver Lake. So Wendy and I headed down the road. It was a paved road. And then the paved road turned into a gravel road. And the gravel road turned into a not-so-nice gravel bumpy road. And the not-so-nice gravel bumpy road turned into just a dirt road. And the dirt road turned into washed out areas and we drove and we drove and we drove and we drove and I thought I even turned her I turned to my wife and I said there is no lake back here (laughs) we have been deceived or we've taken a wrong turn well how can you take a wrong turn there's only one road and so we kept driving and I was determined and we drove for days It seemed like. And then finally, 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 after driving and driving and driving and driving, we came around one corner, and there it was. And we got out, and we walked up to the edge of the lake. It was so quiet. There was nobody else around. I looked, and only two fishermen in a little boat, and they were quite a distance over there and it was flat calm but I noticed one of them pulling a fish in and I thought oh it's wonderful (laughs) I looked over and across this way we saw two paddle boarders way over on the other side and the mountains in the background and I'm telling you I'm telling you it was one of the most picturesque peaceful wonderful experiences Of my life. And you know what I wanted to do? I wanted to do exactly what Peter wanted to do on the Mount of Transfiguration. I wanted to just build a house right there. (laughs) And live there. Because for just a few brief moments. Are you listening? For just a few brief moments. I forgot every problem in my life. I just forgot about everything because it was so peaceful, so wonderful, so heavenly. This is not Disney World. This is not even Beaver Lake. But to get here, and we'll talk more about getting here next weekend because that's what the next few verses talk about. I'm going to really live in a world where there's no more death, mourning, crying, or pain. I'm going to live in a capital city that we'll talk about when we get to it. But listen, its wall, this heavenly city, the New Jerusalem, its wall is made of jasper. And it's, get this, 200 feet thick of jasper. The city's made of pure gold and the the main street is of gold. (laughs) It's going to be amazing. But the most amazing thing is that God is going to be there. He's more glorious than his creation. It's a real world. I went to some scriptures and there were so many I had to pick and choose. John chapter 13, for example. After reading Revelation 21, these first few verses that I read this morning. John chapter 13. Jesus is headed for the cross. And in John chapter 13... These words just jump off the page at me. 
Verse 1, it was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Another verse says he had come from God and was returning to God. Verse 3, John 13, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. God had put all things under his power. He said to his disciples, I can call my Father and he'll send legions of angels. But then you go to John chapter 18. Judas leads a detachment of soldiers sent by the Jewish leadership. They come at night because they're doing evil. They're coming to arrest Jesus. And notice, again, jump right off the page. John chapter 18, verse 4. Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him. And he went out and he said, who who are you looking for? Well, he knew they were looking for him. Peter pulls out his sword to defend him. Jesus says to Peter, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father's given for me? And that took me back to John's gospel, chapter 12. And in John's gospel, chapter 12, verse 27, Jesus says, now my heart is troubled. That's a light way of saying it. In the Garden of Gethsemane, before the soldiers came to arrest him, hematidrosis is taking place in his physical body. Uh, Blood is being mixed with the sweat drops. You talk about turmoil. Now my heart is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, no. It was for this very reason that I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. The motivation. Oh, yeah, technically it was come to do the Father's will. And he says in that section of John's gospel, I've completed the mission you gave me to do. But there's something more than that as well. It's not just that. He came from glory. He knew what it was like. Yeah, very few saints who got the privilege of seeing what it's really like before they actually got there. Paul, the apostle, was caught up to the third heaven, caught up to the throne. I bet he was disappointed he had to come back down. So many verses to pick from. One of the others I chose is Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Beaver Lake. (laughs) By faith, he made his home in the promised land and like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents. That's not a permanent dwelling here. As did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. And here it is. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. What's the point of all this? The point is simply this. The motivation. The insight. The perspective. Why Paul the Apostle in Acts 20 can stand before mighty men, him a prisoner, and say, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I might finish my course and complete the work he's given me to do. 
Why he can write in Philippians chapter 1, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Why he can say in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6, the time for my departure is at hand. They weren't living for this world. They were living for the one to come. I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. I think about heaven every single day of my life. And I need to. You know what Revelation 21 is to me? Oh, it's a coming day. Oh, it's the ultimate beaver lake. (laughs) And it's going to never end. But I'm not there yet. And here, the road turns from paved to gravel to not so nice gravel to sometimes washed out. And you just go, what? Am I, am I really on the right road? Is this really, this really, is there really something at the end of this thing? Or do I need, need to pull over or turn around? Another road. No, no, no. We're on the right road. But even the best of the saints, and God recorded it for us, God recorded it for us, needed to have an eternal perspective renewed and refreshed and focused in. Because even though I know it's true, sometimes the turns and the twists and the gravel and the washout and all the stuff, man, you get out of focus. One of the greatest worship leaders in the Bible, his name is Asaph. He wrote several of the Psalms. David wrote a lot of the Psalms, but Asaph wrote quite a few himself. We just don't know as much about Asaph as we do about David. But Asaph wrote Psalm 50. He wrote Psalm 75, 76, 77, 78, 79, 80, 81, 82, 83. He wrote a lot of Psalms. And I went back and read them all in preparation for this message. You'll just be thankful. I'm not going to share them all with you because we'd be here a long time. But he writes things that are so praiseworthy and he says such great things inspired by the Spirit. Those psalms are songs. He's a songwriter inspired by the Holy Spirit and all this great acclamation to the Lord. And it's filled. His psalms are filled with that. But that's not all. It's filled with. If you read his Psalms, you'll see bumps in the road. You'll see gravel turn to just dirt. You'll see washout. The one that really speaks the most of Asaph's challenges on the road of life headed to glory is Psalm 73. Psalm 73. Go there with me and take a look how he starts out. Verse 1, surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet, it almost slipped. I nearly lost my foothold. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from the burdens common to man. They're not plagued by human ills, which tells me, it's likely that maybe one of the things he's struggling with is a physical infirmity. And he's looking at those who haven't committed their lives 
to the Lord. They're not living for the Lord as he's seeking to do. And they're doing great. Verse 12. This is what the wicked are like. Always carefree. They increase in wealth. Surely in vain have I kept my heart pure. In vain have I washed my hands in innocence. All day long I've been plagued. I've been punished every morning. If I had said I will speak thus, I would have betrayed your children. In other words, if I'd have said what my heart was thinking and what my mind was thinking, it would not have been good testimony to the Lord. When I tried to understand all this, it was oppressive to me. You got an attitude. And an attitude that really is heaven directed. Till I entered the sanctuary of God. And I understood their final destiny. And then in verse 24, he says, you guide me with your counsel and afterward you'll take me into glory. There his focus is back. Whom have I in heaven but you and earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail. Now that's just God honest. God is the strength of my heart. My portion forever. Even the best of them recorded here had some times, perplexing times. Jeremiah, (laughs) you read places like Jeremiah 12 and Jeremiah starts out and says, God, uh, you're you're great, etc. However, I have issue with your justice. Doesn't seem too fair what's going on in my life right now. And you've heard of Job. And Job had no idea the conversations going on in heaven and the purpose behind what God was allowing in his life. Here's why we need an eternal perspective and an eternal perspective not only maintained, but sometimes renewed, renewed, number one, because you're going to go through perplexing times. And if you haven't, you will. Number two, because sometimes suffering and the cost and the will of God is greater than you anticipated and linked with a lack of understanding of why God's allowing it. And then number three, because sometimes in the Christian life, the way you were certain it was going to turn out because you heard from the Lord and it didn't turn out that way. And if you're not careful for moments in time, you can lose hope. It'll be hopeless because you've heard from the Lord and yet it didn't turn out like the voice you heard. You say, is there something like that in scripture? Absolutely. Mark's gospel chapter five records a synagogue ruler. His name is Jairus. His 12 year old daughter is sick. He comes to Jesus. Jesus agrees to go to his home on the way. There is a delay. A woman with an issue of blood is pushing through the crowd. She's filled with mustard seed faith. If I can touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. She pushes through the crowd, touches the hem of his garment. She's healed. Jesus will not go any further until this woman makes herself known. Who touched me? The disciples, everybody's touching you. What do you mean? Who touched me? No, power's gone out from me. And he will not stop. And for some undisclosed period of time, he is going to make sure this woman comes forward and testifies to what has been done for her. 
The book of Revelation isn't a pleasant book to study. It lays out for you the end of the world as you know it right now, and the devastation that will be falling on the world is overwhelming, and it can make you ache for the people who will have to endure it. It can also make you long for everyone you know to seek and find Jesus right now. Only He can save the people of the world from this terrible end and His grace is available right now to everyone. Today, let Jesus bring to mind those friends, family, and even acquaintances that you can be praying for and actively sharing His gospel message with. We know this isn't an easy task, so we'd like to support you in prayer. Please email us at info at ccfstpete.church. We're so glad you tuned in today to The Living Word. Pastor Danny will continue this verse-by-verse study of Revelation in our next edition of The Living Word. But right now, you can hear more by visiting our website, ccfstpete.church. There you'll also learn more about Pastor Danny and the church these messages originate from, Calvary Chapel Fellowship. We'd love to meet you, so if you're in the area, please come join us for one of our weekend services. We gather each Saturday and Sunday to worship the Lord and learn from His Word, and we'd be honored to share that time with you. Be sure to stop Pastor Danny and let him know that you're a listener. You'll find all the information you need at ccfstpete.church. That's all we have for today. Tune in next time for more from the book of Revelation, right here on The Living Word. 